0: hey what's happening everybody thanks for tuning in to another episode of let there be talk it is monday october 17th and i'm coming to you live from new york city i'm still out here doing a little comedy and uh if you are in new york come see me tonight at the stand or tomorrow night at the stand or gotham that's uh tonight Monday the 17th or tomorrow the 18th other than that I'll be all over uh, I'll be all over the place in the next couple months I'll be at San Jose at the end of the month with Russell Peters October 27 28 29 30 and then I will be in uh, Sacramento at the punchline in November come see me then November 10 11 12 and the punchline. December 15th, 16th, 17th in San Francisco So yeah, some cool dates coming up How is everybody? I've been enjoying my uh, my time here in New York Doing some stand-up, doing some podcasts Bringing you some uh, cool guests in the next few weeks And uh, yeah, East Coast, loving it Still, uh, still haven't felt any uh, winter, thank God I'm sure my whole view of uh, New York will suck if I'm here and it's fucking cold as hell. It gets down into like the 50s at night right now, and I'm like, whoa, I'm a pussy. (laughs) It's fucking, it's so funny how acclimated I am to L.A. over all the years. And, uh, you know, growing up in the Bay Area, I was born in Yosemite, for Christ's sake, man. It fucking snows, it's ice cold there in the winter. But now, I just I can't take it. Feet are cold. My face. You can't even... You can't wear cool clothes when it's cold. You got to fucking bundle up. You look all goofy like the Michelin Man. I'm looking at some of those, uh, like, uh, down jackets. And I'm like, why, why would I get one of these? I would only wear it, like, twice in my life. And it'd just sit in my closet. You know? And And... As every time I look at one, I go, those look pretty cool. And then I put one on, I go, this looks like shit on me. I where's my fucking flannel or leather jacket? It's funny, man. Looking at fucking jackets I'd never wear just for a two-day a two-day run in New York. Gotta gotta be prepared. Anyway, loving it out here. The stand has just been fantastic. The audiences have been great. And uh, if any of you came out to the show so far, thank you for coming out. I got a great guest today, man, and I was so lucky to get this guest. I want to thank Butch Walker for uh, putting me in contact with my guest. Uh, Of course, you guys all know I love watches, and we've had some great episodes here, some watch episodes, Kevin Christie and I. And I just enjoy the uh, lunacy of watches, of course. You guys all know that. And today's guest is the uh, head of uh, Tudor watches. He's the uh, head guy out there in New York, out here in New York, Russell Kelly. And I was uh, very lucky to get him. I've been trying to get him on the show for, I was here in August, and uh, we missed each other. Uh, He's super busy. He travels all over the world promoting and um, showing the new Tudor brand line. If you don't know anything about Tudor, they, uh, for years, were known as the sister company of uh, Rolex. Some people call the uh, poor man's Rolex, some of the stepchild, all kinds of nicknames. I call it a great fucking watch. These guys are hitting a home run right now with uh, their product. And if you're into watches and you don't have a lot of money, I tell everybody, this is where you go. You'll buy this fine timepiece. It'll last you a lifetime. Uh, they're classic looking. They're made amazing. The quality's excellent. They look kick-ass. Uh, they look kick I was I was lucky to be at the... Uh, this interview was done, by the way, uh, at 53rd and 5th which is the Rolex compound, they call it the Black Box in Manhattan, which is such a cool, weird, mystical building. It's like the Wonka Chocolate Factory. You walk by, you're like, what's in there? I mean, of course, ground floor is the Rolex store, but, like, why do they have all those floors? Like, what are they doing in there, <laughs> you know? It's, like, so mysterious. I was lucky enough to go in there, man, and Wow. One of the fucking coolest things I've done on this podcast. And he had all the watches out. I got to try them all on, see them all. Just just killer, man. Check out uh, Tudor on Instagram and check out their uh, website and follow Russell Kelly on there. And uh, and go to a store and try one on if you're thinking about getting a watch. Uh, it, this ain't an ad. It's just I love I love what they're doing. It's blowing me away. And this uh, is a handmade uh, episode. These watches are handmade. Swiss-made watches, man. Anyway, yeah, it's going to be cool. I'm going to get them on here right away. Before I do, just a couple things. Try to go see that um, Oasis film coming out. Oh, I can't wait for this. I'm going to see it at the Arclight. Oasis Supersonic. Same guy that made that Amy Winehouse film has uh, got a documentary on Oasis. And uh, I don't talk about Oasis a lot because it's kind of uh, out of sight, out of mind. But there was a time where Oasis was very, very huge in my life. And still, I play them all the time. I just, uh, they slip my mind for some reason, and I don't know why. But I love them. They were outlaws. They were everything that you needed in a rock band. Great songs. They looked great. They wore cool clothes. They played killer guitars. And the fucking were just straight up crushing. I saw them many times. One of my favorites was with the Black Crows out at the Santa Barbara Bowl for the Brotherly Love Tour. Which was just a magic night, man. Have you never got into Oasis? I, I don't know. Uh... What you were thinking, man? The songs are incredible. I mean, these guys, I mean, who could write all those songs? I mean, the the songwriting is just next level. And then they were just fucking massive. You know, if you uh, if you YouTube and look at them playing like Wembley Stadium and, and all these giant places in uh, Europe it's just flooring and i just love the battle between the brothers at point at times you're you're thinking is this fake but it definitely wasn't you know and like i said with rich and chris robinson it's a lot like that with the uh with the uh gallagher brothers no no just fucking battling liam there's like youtube clips that are so fucking funny, of them um, being interviewed. I just loved them back in the day. Like you, you can watch these. Like you can watch uh, Liam and Noel uh, fight. Those videos are hilarious, and you can also watch them uh, just shitting on the press. You know, they're just like we're the greatest in the world. Everyone else can fuck off, wankers. Nothing but garbage out there. And they got like subtitles because you can't understand, especially uh, Liam. He's hard to understand. He get a little good cocaine slur and booze going. He's like, come here, come for you, Yeah, give a fuck of you. I don't give fuck. Yeah, you don't figure, you you fuck it all. That's all. I fuck off all. Fuck all y'all. <laughs> I, lo- I love watching that shit, man. But I I can't wait to see this movie, man. And, uh, you know, you got to look at it. These guys have sold 80 million fucking records worldwide. 80 million. You don't ever have to work again. 80 million. Beyond rich. Beyond fucking rich, man. They come out in 93 with definitely, maybe... And uh, start killing it. I remember Sam Fran grabbed on it. It was total Sam Fran style, man. People were like, "Yeah, Oasis, man, killer." Uh, I come on a little slow. First record, I'm like, "Yeah, pretty good," but boy, that's fucking second record. You know what's the story? Morning Glory. There is not a bad song on it, man. Hello, roll with it. Wonderwall, of course. Don't look back in anger, man. Hey, now some might say look at all the singles on it cast no shadows could be one of the best songs uh in that era of music man she's electric morning glory i loved his front man it was anti-front man he just stood there with his arms behind his back sometimes they wore sweatsuits on stage which was hilarious like like, like, but not in a like a, in a hip hop way. They were like fashion, skin tight sweatsuits, kind of like Euro soccer soccer champion looking. I love them, man. Champagne Supernova, come on. There's a great interview I just uh, I just tweeted. It's on Rolling Stone of Noel talking about uh, how uh, Be Here Now, which just got re released on Friday which everyone says or thinks is a piece of shit. I like a couple songs on it, but he says it's it's a piece of shit or or he basically says they should have waited, you know. There's and you know, there's no manuals to teach you. I mean, this band was as big as the Beatles when they uh when they hit Europe, man. It's just crazy. Anyway, go see it. It's playing one night only. Out in uh, the theaters. I don't know where you live, but I'm seeing it on the Arclight. And that's October 26th. I think you should see it in a theater because it's going to be cranked up loud. And Oasis sounds so fucking good loud. All right, let's get into the episode. I love all you guys. Thanks. Keep leaving the reviews. Uh, this episode is brought to you by El Cajon Harley, my fantastic motorcycle sponsor. You want to get yourself a motorcycle, go to El Cajon El Cajon Harley visit their website too they got all kinds of good stuff going on right now they always have parties going they got a scary movie night coming up Friday October 28th go to their scary movie night and uh, also go test ride one of the brand new uh, brand new machines down there the Milwaukee 8 engines you don't want to miss out on that uh, test ride one try it out. Get yourself a brand-new motorcycle, man. You can't go wrong. El Cajon Harley, just doing up the Dell Razors out there. Uh, Great, great bike shop. You need extra cash or a new bike, you know, you can trade your bike in, sell your bike, or uh, get a new bike, whatever. They also have the lowest uh, price tires on the planet. (laughs) On the planet. I love when, when, when people say stuff like, on the planet. I just made that up on the planet, but they do... Have uh, they won't be beat on their tire price? Go see them and uh, tell them I sent you. See Greg Riley, man. These guys rock. Go to their scary movie night. Scary movie. Halloween's coming up. Get yourself an orange Harley. They got this killer orange color out right now that is just hurting me, man. It's just orange metal flake. Nothing more Harley to me than the orange and black bars, bar and shield. Logo. What a great logo, man. Just get an orange Harley. All right, let's get into it. Here he is, Russell Kelly, the king of Tudor watches. Thank you, guys. Hey, what's happening? Thanks for tuning into to another episode of Let To Be Talk. This is a special handmade edition. And uh, I, I got to say, I'm pretty fired up. I'm in New York City at 53rd and 5th at the Rolex Tudor uh, compound. This is <laughs> <The> <laughs> with Black my Box. guest today. Introduce yourself.
1: Uh, I'm Russell Kelly. I'm uh, the, the uh, brand manager in charge of Tudor Watch USA, um, and so lucky enough to be here with, with Dean. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, yeah. What a, what a, what an amazing thing. Uh, first of all... My obsession with watches is pretty uh, pretty insane I always do a basil world episode with my boy uh, Kevin Christie I saw we that. love watches uh, Butch Walker and I uh, hit it off and most a lot of people I hit off with over watches over the years I can see they're wearing something I've had watches had to sell them when you're an artist <laughs> and then bought some watches again they come and go they from my come life yeah. But one of the things that I loved about Tudor right away, they um they started releasing these, uh, which I think is the most incredible thing ever, basically watches from like their past that we all loved. Now, before we get into that, what is the history of Tudor? Now, it was always the, the what the sister company of Rolex?
1: Yeah, it was always a. Uh... Always the, the sister company. So a Rolex, uh, founded in the early 1900s uh, by Hans Wilsdorf, Tudor came along not that long after 1926. Hans Wilsdorf uh, had the idea to create a, a lesser-priced uh, watch that he could offer a, a wider variety of customers. Uh, but from the same partner you could trust, so that it was always backed by uh, the Rolex Service Network. It was using the same Oyster case, waterproof. case. Same movement? A uh, different movement. And so I that's gotcha. Where he sa- that's where he saved the money. Uh, I always dial, thought it was a movement.
0: Rolex movement, just different face. No,
1: no he had. A, he uses a he used from the beginning, from the from actually from the 40s on. Uh, it was a ETA. Uh, An a caliber. Etta movement
0: so it was purchased. always Eta back then, even yeah. those old snowflakes and everything. Yeah. But you were using Rolex cases.
1: Cases, bracelets, pushers, crowns. It was basically a Rolex case bracelet, et cetera, uh, with uh, Tudor dial, Tudor hands, Tudor movement, or ETA movement. And what crown. year was that? So, really, 1946. So, 26, uh, Hans Wilsdorf registers the name uh, and establishes the company, but waits to really start distribution of the brand until post-World War II, uh, rebuilding 1946 is right. when he really starts pushing it out there.
0: That's insane, man. It's it's funny because um, I don't really know about Tudor, uh, until probably around the 90s, a buddy of mine showed up with the blue face snowflake. Yeah. I was like, Whoa, what is that? And he's like, Oh, these are made by Rolex. It's just their sister company. I was like, I, I don't know anything about that, you yeah. know? And, and you got to think back. Uh, even in the 70s, I think uh, a GMT was like $250. Right. So what was like a, a Tudor at the time? Like $100? It would be, yeah,
1: 100 But even in the 60s, I would say, let's go as far back as the 60s. So in the 60s, a Tudor sub was like 250 bucks, And maybe a Rolex sub was twice that. I got um, but it. But was, it was a substantially less expensive watch. But like you said, you know, it was very accurate to say made by Rolex because it said on the case... Rolex Geneva on the crown. It had the Rolex crown stamped on the bracelet. Rolex Geneva. The only thing that said Tudor was the dial. Wow. Uh, And if you opened it up, of course the the movement said uh, Tudor. So.
0: And it's it's interesting because if people go like oh I don't know about the ETA movement and all that and stuff like Rolex I mean they didn't even make the Daytona movement until like you know six eight years ago or whatever it was right. uh, Zenith and Zenith. before that it was other yeah. so they've used outside movements before
1: certainly yeah I think you know ETA is a extremely extremely good workhorse movement tons of watch brands use it from. The IWCs and Breitlings, uh, et cetera, of the world. There are plenty of watch brands that use ETA, and for us, uh, it's a way. I mean, to develop an in-house movement, it, it takes a long time and it's really expensive. And so, uh, we focus on Tudor, even still today. Same idea when Hans Wilsdorf launched it, uh, on making uh, an approachably priced, 100% Swiss made, uh, 100% Swiss made watch. So, the best watch you can get. At, at, at a modest price, or relatively modest
0: price. Absolutely. And, and just, I mean, you know, it, it just knocking it out of the park. Now, there's a time where Rolex, uh, I mean, Tudor is rolling, and then they disappear from America. What happens there?
1: So, last the last time Tudor was in the United States was 1996. It was launched in 1996, uh, and you had, it was a period of time where the brand had some interesting models, still very much... In the shadow of Rolex, very much kind of lookalikes to say that, you know, poor man's Rolex, as they were called back yeah, then. Yeah, right, yeah. And so it was really, um, when the brand was launched in 1996, it was handled, you know, I would maybe it's not the right way. Let's say that it was felt like it was more of a tax on Rolex. Your in 96?
0: Rolex, in 96. But when does it disappear the first time? The first time, oh, so long ago, I don't even know. So they do know. they go out of business the first time or something, or what happens? No,
1: never gone out of business. Uh, so the brand's always been continuous since 1946. There's been uh, no closing the doors, always producing watches, and always a very healthy business. The way uh, Rolex's company is set up, it's an affiliate business model, so... Here in the U.S., Rolex Watch USA, Tudor Watch USA, we are a separate company from our headquarters in Geneva. It's really our choice. It's our choice if we want to if we want to build Tudor in in the U.S. or if we want to concentrate on Rolex. Um, so uh, it it comes with the changing of the guard, right? So the CEO comes in, and maybe one believes in Tudor and, and puts it in, and another one comes in after him and takes it out. Oh, gotcha. So um, and so it's it's really a it's a, it's choice. Um, but now we're at a point um, in, we launched in 2013, I started in 2012, developing, a, developing the strategy. And we're at a point now where the price category is so relevant today. A lower oh. price watch, high quality watch um, is so relevant. And you know, Rolex as a company has to think about succession for their, their customers are getting older. And it's not to say all their customers are It's a lot like older.
0: Harley-Davidson. Exactly. It's a lot like Harley Davidson, you know. Exactly. It's it's it, uh, I I I love this show handmade because I I like to have the people on and from an outside uh, world I'm always like why wouldn't they do this and I always ask that over and over. And when Tudor came out I was like, wow, these guys are so smart. They're they're doing something that the other people never do. Mind the past. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't understand, like, let's say Harley Davidson, which I love and ride, uh, they made a 1936 Knuckle. Yeah. Why not make it again with modern stuff? You right. know what I mean? That's your history. Sure, have the uh, other models, but hey, if you want to buy this, we, we have this. Exactly. And that's what... Tutor did when they first come out, and, and also their uh, genius in being all over the place mm. all of a sudden, you know. Yeah. But when they come out, immediately go, Well, that's exact to a 60s tutor. Mm-hmm. That's what everybody <clears throat> wants. But they don't want to spend eight grand on a snowflake, you know what I mean? And you want to, you know, the idea was,
1: I mean, the whole, the, remember the, the original mission statement from a partner you can trust, a product you can trust. It's like the vintage look and feel without the vintage headache, is yeah. what I always say. And, you know, it's it's
0: tricky. Buying vintage is tricky. It and, really is, especially now with all the fake stuff. Yeah. It's the scariest. And, and as much as I love um, vintage everything, yeah. especially old vintage GMT and stuff, it's so spooky. Like... You know, changed hands, re-loomed hands, uh, different face. Is this really a red, a red sub, or is it a fake red sub? There's so many evil people out there. You know what I mean, changing out all uh, everything. Yeah. So really, at the end of the day, what we want is a vintage watch, but new. Right. You know. And so
1: you know, in 2007, I would say the. The brand, <laughs> the brand globally, went through a repositioning, and they they brought in a new creative director, uh, and and they basically said, well, "What what do we need to do to, to not repeat what's been done in the past? To to get outside the stigma of a poor, from the '96 yeah, relaunch, poor man's Rolex, right? right. We, oh, I we, got. You. How do we get out from under that? And so we have to tell the legitimate history, the story of Tudor as a brand, independent of our big brother. And so the way we did that was through these super iconic vintage watches that we had starting uh, all the way back to 1954 with the first Submariner, the Tudor Submariner. And so we kind of uh, took a lot of those iconic vintage pieces and pulled them all together and released and created what was now, what is now the Heritage Collection. Right. First, first one in 2010 was the Heritage Chrono. Uh, we had... Um, the uh, Advisor, which came after that in, in 2011, 2012, we had the Black Bay, which the, is the Submariner.
0: Killing it with that, yeah. with the gilt dial, red bezel. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah right there. Look at it, man. I, he's, he's got a, uh, a just a tray of watches here, and I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> now, I mean, gilt dial, uh, if anybody uh, knows anything about the 60s uh, Rolexes and Tudors, the gilt dial is just so great the quality of this watch too a lot of people hit me up what should i start with and and sure you could get a, a sub for about 4800 bucks a used sub mm. from the 90s mm. there's a million of them out there but i would go brand new tudor with in-house movement and and wear that watch till you die and and get your own patina mm. and your own dents and and all that and 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 it's just a phenomenal, uh, these pieces are knocking me out. And whoever is doing your, um, you're like, you know, you're advising on like the watch is like, I feel like Rolex is, looks at you guys and goes, let's put these out and see how hot they are, including this new black one, the mm-hmm. monochrome like mm-hmm. black uh, sub. And, and all of a sudden Rolex puts out the, the Daytona Panda. Right, you know what I mean, which right. is what everybody's wanted for 25, 30 years now.
1: Yeah, I mean it's true. I mean, historically, Hans Wilsdorf used Tudor as kind of a testing ground. We uh, he tried things out on us, whether it was, you know, the the depth of uh, of a Tudor Submariner versus the depth of a Rolex Submariner, and then once. Perfected it, perfected it, and then he passed it on, on to Rolex. We were definitely used as a testing ground early on. Um, but I think it's an interesting point you make about, you know, taking your money and investing in a new tutor versus a vintage piece. And it's not to say vintage. Vintage is great. If you know what you're doing or if you buy from a reputable source, somebody that's completely transparent like Hodinkee now that they're selling, uh, which is a website that now that they're selling uh, vintage watches online, they, they do it by being very transparent and telling you exactly what you're getting. Uh, with us... We wanted to create that same feel, that vintage feel, uh, in a new watch. And so we used, by choice, we used in the Black Bay and the Heritage Collection, uh, aluminum bezels. Aluminum bezel insert. Of course, we we have the technology and the ability to do a, a ceramic bezel, like in the Pelagos that you have. Right. Uh, which is not going to change over time at all. Yeah. Um, the the aluminum alloy bezels that we use in the, uh, in the Black Bay collection, for instance they're going to change over time they're going to patina they're going to fade and they're going to develop their own character it's a uh future vintage if you will
0: that's a, that's an interesting thing that you say because it's um of course i love the new rolexes and and but yeah you know it's it's gotten away from the tool watch of the five that i love the sub the daytona and all that and and the gmt and the new one now it's so worried about people it's a lot like leather jackets where they put, like, this sheen on it now where mm. it'll never age. Yeah. So, you know, it's this world that wants their stuff to look new forever, which is quite strange, right? Yeah. Because they love vintage, but they want their stuff to look new. <laughs> so, you know, these Rolexes, um, which I love and everything, the bezels are never going to, uh, We, you know, I mean, who knows? They say they stay forever. Maybe 20 years from now, we don't know. Maybe they do look weird. I don't they know. Might. But they as of as of now, though, I think they're just going to look shiny and yeah, new. Yeah,
1: they're new. They're new. You know, and of course, watches are going to age over time. The steel is a different. It's a different alloy of steel that's used in. Uh, in uh, in a Rolex versus a Tudor, so it's 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 a harder steel. It's a, it's a, re- a very resilient steel. So you're right. It's gonna that watch is gonna stay looking very new for a very long time. Yeah, um, which is great. I think that's that's something that that to a lot of people. I mean, certainly Rolex is the number one watch brand in the world.
0: That's my favorite. That's I what mean, everybody wants. right? I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it, there's all kinds of like other brands that you know that people are like, yeah, well, this and that, but Rolex to me really is it's it's it just is the best the designs everything about them you know the history just, the longevity yeah the consistency classic you know, the way they fit though everything about them
1: and the service
0: and the service yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's crazy that they, you know that they're you look at how cheap they were back in the day you know and that was expensive then to where they are now yeah now how do you get involved with Tudor and were you work at, Were you did you love watches and did you work in watches all your life?
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah so yeah I've been in the watch industry yeah 15 16 years um, and wh- how'd you start? So I started, it was just purely passion. I was purely in, in it for the watches. And you were a watch
0: collector freak? I
1: was a watch nut. I, w- I wasn't a collector just yet because I was too poor to be a collector. I had one nice watch. Uh-huh. Uh, Where'd you
0: grow up, New York?
1: No, I was born in Louisiana. I was born in northern Louisiana, grew up in Arkansas, and kind of that first little spark of interest in watches for me was uh, my, uh, I would go to my grandmother's house at Christmas, Thanksgiving, holidays, and she had a pocket watch uh, that was her father's, uh, and it was an old Elgin, not something incredibly expensive today, you can buy them vintage pretty easily uh and she, but she had it underneath a little acrylic dome or it was glass dome hanging on a, on a thing and every time we we went there my dad would take the watch out and he would wind it open it show me the, the movement uh wind it up you know show me the the escapement moving and beating and running and then put it back uh put the glass back over it and that was it and this is the only time that it got wound was when we visited and my dad was there yeah. So it taught me from a very early age a sort of reverence for for watches and watchmaking because it was this thing that was literally high on a mantle above my head I couldn't reach it uh, and uh, and it was treated with extreme respect so wow. I carried that on you know through life and and uh, I was I never had you know nice terribly nice watches. Um, uh, through my my, my teenage years. What,
0: were you years. rocking a swatch or something? I, had, I went through the swatches. <laughs> yeah, we too, all, right? we all, <laughs> all did the swatches, right? Uh, yeah, I had yeah. the jellyfish. I had the jellyfish. I yeah. had a few.
1: and you know, I got to wear a couple on one Yeah, I, I wore
0: this. two. Yeah. yeah, I got a photo of me yeah. wearing two. People always tripping. It. It's yeah. me and like Slash from Guns N' Roses, <laughs> and I'm holding up a Budweiser so you know it's 80s. Yeah. And, and people are like, well, you're wearing two swatches. It's like, yeah, man, London time. You were, <laughs> you were on it. You were on it. You were, you were with the trend. Yeah, yeah man. I had my two swatches watches
1: um and uh, then I, th- I had a seiko diver at one point those you know, are still hired, cool which is still a great watch yeah it's people a great, love those yeah, a great watch and uh then as i got a little older and started in, you know finding more and more interest i was in the cycling industry i worked in marketing for bicycle manufacturers oh wow um, i was a big cyclist and there was this history of cyclists you know like you know back in the day 80s 90s they didn't have, we didn't have smartwatches or any of that crap back then so these guys were rocking like gold tag Hoyers when they're like racing and no Florida shit fights. huh yeah, yeah, did it's... you get
0: into that movie Breaking Away oh yeah oh, oh yeah. man how great <laughs> is that guy Such... from uh, Bad News Bears you know uh, he was one of the guys in yep. that Kelly Leak yep. uh, that guy's yeah breaking. so cycling guys are just out there rocking like rocking gold tag gold, gold,
1: yeah gold watches Rolexes you name it and so you, you, you see this and I remember um, when I was in the cycling uh, industry I worked for this company in Chattanooga Tennessee called Lightspeed Titanic Handmade titanium bike. Oh, that's cool. And um, they had a, 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 a testimonial, an ambassador that worked with us called Bob Roll. You would love him, Bob Roll. Bubka is was the man. He was like a, a rebel in the in the pro cycling world. And he would tell me these stories about when he got his first little bit of prize money in Europe and he was racing for Motorola cycling team at the time. He was like, I got my first little piece of prize money and I was in Switzerland and I went and I got a Rolex. That's the first thing I had.
0: Yeah. To do. So
1: you're thinking in your That's mind, I so like,
0: cool. gotta get a watch. I gotta get what a watch. What one did he get?
1: Datejust. You know? Oh, yeah. Just like a Datejust. Yeah. Perfect. Stealing gold. Wore it and, you know, racing his bike you know, all over Europe. Yeah. Rolex. And so, pretty cool. And so, so i got a i got a i got a tag eventually used uh, quartz um, at one point and then started learning more and more about them and i got uh, I got an IWC uh, mark twelve so, uh, which was a uh, much smaller than the versions that they have today had a, a Jaeger movement inside really cool little watch <clears throat> and then I moved to Boston working in Boston for a bicycle manufacturer there uh, as a marketing director and didn't know anybody moved up there from chattanooga tennessee he's just you know worked all the all week and uh met this guy through a through cycling bike ride and he was a manager a watch store uh, yeah there in harvard square and uh he was into watches and bikes and i was into watches and bikes and so i went by on the weekend uh to this watch store we have to be a really big watch store at the time, and just looked at watches. I was that customer every watch retailer hates. Because I looked at everything. Never, bought-, him, never bought a damn oh, thing. Oh, <laughs> man. That was the ultimate tire
0: kicker. Uh, because uh, <laughs> so, you didn't have the money or you just... To me, it's like it's 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 a lot like those bicycle people as soon as i got just a little hair of money even when i started buying rolexes in the early 90s yeah. you could get a sub for 35 or thirty eight hundred bucks yeah. you know yeah. and that sounds like uh, cheap now but back then that was a lot of what money I mean. but i got it through ben bridge on a payment plan you know yeah, and exactly. i was just like all right i gotta watch you yeah, know
1: exactly yeah no i mean cycling I was a marketing director of a cycling company but it was a lifestyle industry doesn't pay uh, pay did you get
0: into Bianchi's at all like when I was growing up that now I guess they're made in China or something but that was the bike right the road bike was the Bianchi that green Celeste green oh man and and if you were a true like road racer that's what you had had made in Italy right you know just what a bike handmade handmade Handmade. Handmade. a lot like that's why I love all that old stuff yeah anything you could talk about I'd be like what about Bianchi and the bike and that was hand- something great in, in an industry that yep. was uh, handmade it, it, it lasts with you forever
1: absolutely I mean I think that's that's what uh, you know I was into the, the cycling companies the bike companies that I work for we were all artisan, handmade. Yeah, cranks.
0: Campanoli cranks. Yeah, just. You like, remember that shit? Oh, and, you know, so bad. And, and like Philwood hubs. Yeah. All this stuff that was yeah. just primo just gear. Handmade. Handmade. handmade
1: stuff. And so watches were the same for me. And so I started hanging out at this watch store. And finally, one day, uh, this friend of mine, who was the manager of the store at the time, said, you know, You know more about this stuff than anybody that works here. Why don't you come work with us? Right. And I was like, "Ah, I'm not ready to leave the bike industry. I like bikes and all that. So I did it on the weekends. So Monday through Friday, I was uh, marketing director of a bicycle manufacturer. And Saturdays and Sundays, I sold watches. Just Uh, at a watch store? Did they have Rolex? They They had everything. They were a big, big store called Alpha Omega in Boston and they had every Richemont brand so all the iwc's and uh iwc longinzon um uh bon mercier uh panerai everything yeah. they had rolex then they had all the swatch group brands they had uh,
0: now yeah. you ended up hating people like yourself they come in there <laughs> let me let me try this one <laughs> eh, i just don't know they tilted in the line and stuff and then they leave and you're like oh fuck. can i man. get a catalog can i get a catalog? yeah they don't know you're working on commission you're going crazy <laughs> and now, so, this but, is a great question yeah. i i have for you because i often thought like if I wasn't in the entertainment business, mm-hmm. you know, a comedian, I would definitely be in the watch biz or some kind of clothing, high-end clothing biz yeah. like uh, denim or whatever. Did it make you burn out? Because I worked for Harley for a while. Mm-hmm. Did it burn you out? Like, I don't care about watches anymore. Um,
1: It it didn't. While I was in retail, uh, uh, when I was working in retail, I think it was interesting because you're still, you're still uh, around a ton of different brands. And you're still... Yeah you know like i was in it for a short period of time because i went in with the intention of going to the wholesale side or going to the other side of the counter because while i was uh, working there part time i saw pretty quickly you know you know who was who was uh, controlling everything in the industry and the sales reps would come in and they would do their trainings and they would take you to dinner and they'd buy you drinks and oh, so you I, wanted to be a sales I rep i wanted to be a sales rep and so oh. i said okay quickest way to do that is i got to learn So then I decided to go full time in the watch store, quit the bike industry, and I went full time. And I gave myself like a three-year time limit. Okay, three years. Uh, I need to. I want to be in wholesale. I want to be a rep within three years. It took me about three and a half years, but I didn't burn out by any means, and I was still like had a voracious appetite for all things watches. Uh, And was also gave me an opportunity to buy watches because you could get them on, you know, personal use prices, et cetera. Or or if customers would come in, the store that I worked for didn't do pre-owned, which is kind of a strange thing. Yeah. They didn't really take trades. So you'd buy it on the side. So the guy would ask me, hey, you you know, trade this in. I was like, wow, we don't do that, but I'll, you know, I'll buy it from
0: you. Yeah, yeah. Were you scoring some Rolexes?
1: Not Rolexes, but I got some pretty nice Panerai's and IWC's and stuff like that. Those early
0: Panerai's, right? Like uh, the first uh, relaunch before they got into the second one? Those are worth some money now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was dumb, though. I sold them before they were worth a lot of money yeah i had, I had a really nice i had a really you. nice first series stuff and then you know like you said sometimes you got sometimes you need money
0: yeah <laughs> oh, man it's crazy right <laughs> like but, i've owned some watches and i i often think about who has them now you yeah. know what i mean just traveling around
1: exactly yeah yeah i wish i wish i still had some of those but um so yeah then i then i made the jump to wholesale uh and i went uh, on the road for a Swatch Group brand, very high end. Uh, Swatch Group, yeah.
0: Oh wow, but I, so was, they sell all kinds of watches, right? They're yeah. kind of like that that glasses company I saw on sixty minutes. They basically sell every sunglasses there are. Uh, you know, all the brands. It's one place in like in France or something that makes everything.
1: It, well, you have Swatch Group that owns. It's a holding company that owns. Tons of uh, watch brands, tons, eighteen twenty different watch brands, some That's very high-end, some very low-end. What are the high end ones? Uh, some Breguet, right. uh, Blancpain, um, Jacques Hedreau, Glacute Original, those are the highest ones. They own Omega. Omega's a Swatch Group brand. They're,
0: Omega's killing yeah. it right now. Yeah. To yeah. me, it's like kind mm-hmm. of like Omega and Tudor are these guys that are like, we're coming out and kicking some ass, you know? Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, we definitely we definitely keep our eyes on Omega yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then um, and then they own of course Swatch and they own uh, Calvin Klein watches and Mido and all these tons of little wow. brands like that. But they also own ETA and Valjoux and yeah. Sw- and they own all those technical companies. Uh, so it's Swatch Group's a really impressive company. And I was working for Blancpain, which is a very high-end brand that was founded by Jean-Claude Biver, who's now in charge of TAG and Hublot and all that. So uh, and so very cool experience. I was on the road. I had tons of accounts. I basically lived on the road 20 days a week. Wow. Or 20 days a month. And, and where were you uh, living? Uh, living in Boston then, but within six months, I moved to New York wow and so that's when i moved to new york so
0: you're traveling around and you're showing uh, shops the new brands or the new styles of the yep. brand and everything and saying hey you should stock our watches and everything well
1: maintaining the distribution that we already had so you're basically going in checking up on them um, okay you sold this since i was here last let's replace it try to get them to buy a little more you yeah, know yeah. uh then you you know, you deal with the in case visuals and the whole experience of the brand within their store uh and then you go on to the next one and you keep going. And so uh, that was cool. I did that with that brand for a um, little over four years. And then I went to work for Vacheron Constantin, which is another extremely high-end um, Swiss watch brand, oldest continuously running Swiss watch brand in the world.
0: Really? Older uh, than Rolex?
1: Yeah, 1755. Whoa. Yeah,
0: 1755. Oh, yeah.
1: There are some that are a little older, but they close their doors. Blancpain, the one I worked for before, is considered the oldest, 1735. Wow. But they closed their doors for several years. Uh, right. And then reopened and continued. Vacheron, 1755, has never closed their doors.
0: That's incredible. Pretty
1: crazy. Wow. Pretty crazy. All, again, all handmade stuff, both brands. Yeah. So that was the link for me between handmade bikes, with with big gears, handmade watches with a lot of little little gears, yeah. you know. So, uh, and then I did that for you know six years, a little over six years with Vacheron, uh, and Rolex called me up.
0: They call you up, and yep. they and you started at Rolex before Tudor.
1: No, I I was I was hired specifically to relaunch Tudor in the U.S. They kept was, it a secret. Yeah,
0: It's an amazing thing. Um, I don't know how they do it in the world of the internet and there must be no low end people at rolex uh you know what i mean (laughs) or disgruntles or anything because there's i don't know if you have to sign like all this like top secret stuff but even in harley davidson uh leaks happen now right and man you do not know one thing coming out until basil world it's unbelievable the um and and I think that's a an, uh, 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 one of the key things to the mystique of it. Yeah, it's one of the last things in the world that you're like, I got to get up at like you know 2 a.m. I got to see what they're launching over there, yeah. and then it comes out and, and people are just blown away. And as soon as it comes out, they start doing Basil World rumors for next year yeah. on the <laughs> f- uh, Rolex uh, forum. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, it's true. I think it's. You know, we work really hard on it. It takes a long time to develop products, first of all, years. I mean, and and you're right. uh, One here Mm. at this company, particularly... uh, it's a great company to work for. So, we don't have a lot of people coming and going. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yes, we do sign a lot of stuff. So, <laughs> we can't talk about it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny. if you When you leave this building, take a, turn around and take a look at it. It's a big black box. And yeah. So it's like the black box. I,
0: you know, love, it. So, yeah. I so. love it. I love well, it. I didn't even know I was coming to this building today. Yeah. Uh, I just thought I was coming to your office, yeah. you know. And then I go, oh, fuck, he's in the <laughs> Rolex building. And then I go up five floors and and It opens up, and I'm in this service center that's straight up like it's like this culty vibe in yeah. there with this incredible monster monster book, uh, oh, like that, that yeah, Toshans or somebody yep. would put out. Yeah, that's the movements, the pictures of all this. I was like, this is heaven. In by here. monster,
1: you it's literally huge. It's oh, like it's huge, four feet by three feet or something. It is.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would want that in my house. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. one of those cool things. It's awesome. So, so when you first start here. And you have a, uh, do you have a secret meeting? Do they say, look, we're going to be launching some stuff and here's what we have, an idea? Or do you get to put in ideas like, I think you guys ought to relaunch the Black Bay? No, when I started,
1: the Black Bay was already out in 2012. The product, you know, the product strategy is put in place by our headquarters in Geneva. And so when they came to me in, in, in 2012 uh, with the opportunity... Of course, they they had to tell me what it was, right? Um, because they it, it they wanted to you know to, to gauge, the, of course, gauge my interest and see if I had had what it took, you know. And so they told me what it was, and um, and yeah. So then once I took the job and I came in, talk about an intimidating first day on the job. Walking into this building, yeah, walk past a thousand times in New York City when yeah. you're in the watch industry, but I'd never been inside. So I came inside. And uh, it was really, it was my first day, it was a blank piece of paper, no telephone number, no stationery, no nothing. I was, like I said before, I was in an old Rolex conference room that wasn't used was my office, Uh, and they were basically like, go, you know, and so with the goal of launching by fall of 2013... And so you have to start by, you know, building a marketing communications plan, building a, a distribution strategy, building the distribution, visual merchandising, what's it going to look like in the store. And a lot of the guidelines are, are, are handed down to us from Geneva, but we had to develop our, our strategy here. And so it's, um, of course, there's a lot of expertise in this building. It's not, it wasn't just me sitting in a room. Yeah figuring it out yeah you got a lot so much
0: history right a lot of help a
1: lot of help for sure but um
0: what was the original idea let's get them on some celebrities or you know well that was i mean when i
1: came in uh, you know i found out pretty quickly that we had a huge fan base already out
0: there totally. i think
1: that that's the thing that that for me is as a you know you know as a watch geek myself you know coming in you know i was i was so excited about the potential that tudor had that's the reason I took the job. You know, I knew its history. I knew what the potential it could have in this country. So it was an awesome opportunity. And then I also knew that there were a ton of people that, that, that all these vintage aficionados and real collectors out there, those are the people that kept the brand alive while we weren't in the country. Totally. And so reaching out to them and, 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 and just really like picking their brains and talking to them, et cetera, was the first step, you know. Talk to the guys that love your stuff the most first, and then uh, we'll figure it out. And so quickly thereafter, we started realizing some of those people actually happen to be pretty influential people, you know. Yeah, 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 right?
0: (laughs) Pretty influential people, so. You're like, um, wait a minute, Wes Anderson? (laughs) He wears a, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, I really think what you have going for you is there's younger people that are like, Yo, this is my, my era of watch. This is my hip. Yeah, Rolex, that's your dad's yeah. stuff or whatever. But this is the hip shit right here. Exactly. You know, you're know, you going to see this in Williamsburg. You're going to see this in, in Silver Lake. You're going to yeah. see, you know what I mean?
1: Someone, uh, a journalist said to me one time, uh, they call Tudor the creative job getter. It's like oh. if you go into you go into an interview at a creative agency with a tutor on your wrist, you're going to get the job. Yeah. There's yeah. no guarantees. I can't guarantee that. Yeah, at, but people
0: do look at your watch. And another thing, if you're going to buy a new motorcycle or a car, put it in your pocket <laughs> because then they think, the average guy will be like, that's a Rolex. They don't really, you know, they just yeah. look and they think it's a Rolex and then they're not going to give you a deal. That's so you got to right. put that in your pocket. Smart. Good, advice. <laughs> Good advice. Good advice.
1: Good uh, advice. N-
0: now... When you fir- when they first launch, because I don't really get on board till the Black Bay comes around, is it a slow launch because of the-, the Black Bay is not out yet? Well,
1: we launched in September 2013, so the Black Bay was out. So we launched with the products we launched with were essentially Black Bay Red, right? Uh, the Heritage Chrono Blue. The Monte Carlo, oh yeah, blue and orange, so
0: good. That one, yeah. With- oh yeah, you guys do. I forgot. You yeah. did launch with just the killers.
1: We launched with everything here in the U.S. for the most part, and uh, we uh, the Pelagos came out in 2012 as well. So we were launching with uh, Pelagos, with Black Bay, with Heritage Chrono, Heritage Chrono Blue, Advisor. I mean, we had the whole Heritage
0: all at a movement at the time. All at a movement. Now, when you come in. Do they tell you secretly we're launching with the ETA, but we're going to make our own movement? We've been working on it. How does that work?
1: No, they, I didn't know at the time. Wow, I didn't know at the time. I mean, we definitely know the proficiencies there within the company, uh, but, but um, no, we didn't know. Didn't know at the time. Uh, it was a while before I knew. Uh, and uh, I, I, and
0: and how do you find out? They're like, hey, come in and check this out. And you're like, wow.
1: No, it's a, contrary to, to popular belief. I think people think we know like think that i know the future of the brand for the next 10 years or think yeah. i know um you know every product that's coming that's that how it was did. when
0: with harley yeah. like uh i would be selling a harley yeah. and it's uh august 10th and then on the 12th they come out with a new motor and these guys that bought them on the 10th come in and they're like man you knew and it's like you think i know <laughs> i mean they're, they're not gonna let people like that know to be all over instagram exactly. and the internet and everything exactly. you know
1: so, so they keep everything pretty pretty tight-lipped in geneva And uh, we find out all the new products typically a few days before Basel. So we go to Geneva before Basel for Uh our pre-Basel meetings, and they show us everything. And then we have a couple of days to basically memorize everything, and and off we go. And we hit Basel, and and we, we go for it.
0: What's Basel like? It's got to be like pretty exciting, you know. I mean, there's a ton of just watch goons there, yep. and there's some burnouts and everything. But in general, your first one had to be like, oh my god, I'm going to see the new stuff.
1: Oh, it's intense! It's intense. I mean, I I, I did Basel Fair with uh, with Blancpain, uh as well, and I did S I H H, which is the, the the counterpart to Basel, uh, which is in Geneva, and I've done that. So, so I'd, I I had experience with the shows. Um, for sure, and they're intense. They're really intense, a lot of people. but from the brand side, year it's like it's like running on a treadmill. You're in the same place, the same time, same office, same desk, same watches. And people rotate in oh, every 30 minutes. Groundhog's And you
0: groundhog's go, day. And you yeah, go yeah. for it. Hey, welcome in. This yeah. is our new Black bear. It's got an in-house movement. The next guy's, this is a Black bear. After yeah, exactly. a while, you're like, yeah, get me out of yeah, exactly, here. Exactly. I get it. It's like Nam show I go to every year with the oh, new yeah. music instruments, you know? Yep. It's like a huge thing. But after the second day, you're like, I got to get out of go, here, go, man. Go. But it's, you know,
1: Basel's like seven days. Seven, seven days. days. Seven days. And we're there. Um, because we have, I mean, the demand is huge in the first, the first year that we did Basel, which is March, 2013, before the launch, uh, we had so much demand to see the product in person to talk about, you know, jewelers wanting, wanting to carry the line that I had every single slot on my agenda booked our, I mean like back to back, no breaks, zero breaks from... 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. Wow. And then every other day, I had so much uh, demand that I did uh, group sessions. So we have a media room where they do the media presentations that hold 40 people. Every other day, I'd have a group. At the end of the day, 6 o'clock, I'd finish my meetings all day, and then I'd go in to a group presentation and give a PowerPoint and ask questions, answer questions. Sorry, I don't have uh, time to meet with each one of you individually, and blah, 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 blah. So you're really running on a combination of uh, adrenaline, excitement, uh, espresso, Diet Coke. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, but you. it's the only time for me that you can go out, like I can go, you can get up at you know, 7 a.m., and you're on the booth by 8 a.m. You usually finish by 1 or 2 a.m., and you wow. do that every day for, for seven you do that every day for 7 days and then you fly back and course, you don't
0: have you're any like, time to go look at other people's product no. That sucks, you don't. right you know,
1: i did yeah i did before when i when i was at other brands but i just the, the demand with tutor has been so insane that and now i have a sales team and i have i have a big team that i that i built so i get a little more time now yeah uh, but uh, but yeah you don't get to see a lot of a lot wow. of products
0: Let's get, let's get a little bit into size. Um, there was, I would say, a good six years ago, Panerai was killing it with the big 48 millimeters and everything, and um, a lot of people, I think, are kind of steering away from the big watch now. That mm. craze is kind of over. Do you really believe that, I believe this, that the 40 millimeters, the ultimate size?
1: Yeah, I think any, from 40, 40 to... It's about the that that's that's where things seem to be settling out. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, with the, it went we went crazy. I mean, Panerai at forty four, uh, when they started out with with the Luminor Marina at forty four millimeters, they kind of opened everyone's eyes to the potential of a big watch and and and
0: right like like Stallone and. And, and Schwarzenegger, and Schwarzenegger and wearing these big old, like that, that, that big green 60 millimeter one yeah, they yeah. made, the Monarch, or I forget what it's called, the flat one, the green yeah. band, and, and all these big watches. I had a 48 millimeter, and the problem I have is they don't fit under jackets or anything. Right. So all of a sudden you're, okay, I'm going to wear this. Oh, but I'm wearing this jacket. I can't, and then you never get to wear your watch. It's exactly. maybe a month in the summer.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I think it definitely caught on. But I think it was always a different customer, and I think that's what's really interesting about that that craze. Um, and is that it kind of opened the world of of handmade watches, Swiss watches, um, or big watches in general. It opened the world or the eyes of a different customer. These people want yeah. they, they wanted a bigger watch, they wanted something a little more flashy or a little more with a little more presence. Um, and you still had people that preferred 40 millimeter 38 millimeter
0: 36 millimeter wow 36 that's crazy it's really funny too because a watch i wore for a good 10 years was the 36 millimeter explorer exactly you know and now i put it on i go oh this is way too small yeah, but yeah. i'm still i'm still five six and same <laughs> right, guy right. you know what i mean like right. why is it way too small now and i think it's mostly because you know once you get a forty millimeter on, everything feels too small, and other things feel too big
1: yeah yeah you're right you know you've you settle in the middle there, but as we've seen you know that that the popularity of vintage come back around we're starting to see more and more people showing an interest in thin watches and small watches. I mean, yeah. I think uh, smaller watches, you know. For instance, this year we came out with the Black Bay 36, which is a...
0: Wow, that's an Explorer. I got it in my hand. It's basically like an Explorer 1 body. Yep. Wow. Now, now this, to me, I think one of the coolest things, uh, I, I, was, uh, I used to DJ kind yep. of uh, parties and, and stuff like that in Hollywood. And uh, I love when I see a woman wearing a stainless steel bigger watch yep. like i remember i saw Cameron diaz she's rocking a daytona oh, white yeah. face you yeah. know and you're just like and, and like drew barrymore people like that like really uh it's really hip to me to see a woman wearing a, a stainless steel bigger watch yep. you know yeah like if i saw a woman wearing a black man i'd be like well that girl is on yep. you know yep.
1: Hey, keep your eyes off my wife then. Oh. She the- <laughs> <laughs> is she rocking Black Bays? Wears a black wow, bag. that is so <laughs> yeah, cool. But you bag. know what I
0: mean? When you see a woman wearing a man's sport yeah. watch, it is badass.
1: Absolutely. And a lot of women buy Black Bays. Uh-huh. And I think it's... it's um, it's interesting. We don't have any way of really quantifying it because we base our, you know, our, our gender split on, on watch purchases by the model. You know, yeah. by the, yeah. you know, if it's a ladies model or a men's model, we have no way of really tracking um, how many women are, are wearing black bays out there. But I tell you, I've seen more than a few. It's yeah. pretty cool. It's really yeah. cool to see. But, uh, but, yeah, so I think that, 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 you know, smaller watches still have a place. But I think you're right. Things are settling out at, you know, f- between 40, 40, uh, 42. The Black Bay is 41. 41. Uh, Black
0: Bay is 41. 40 and then let's, let's talk about the bronze one. 42?
1: Yeah. So the bronze just came out this year. It's the biggest watch we make. 43.
0: 43. 43. I love this watch. Yeah. Now, uh, let's tell people about it. It's basically... Now, this one looks patinaed. Yep. And, and I remember when I was young, growing up, they had put... They built a library in my town. It was like a million dollar library mm-hmm. and they put brass roof on it. And after a year it looked like an old penny. Yeah. And people were like it's ugly and I was like no way. That's look awesome. at that patina, that's the that's turquoise awesome. on that. And and it blew my mind. And when this watch came out immediately I was like wow. And look, now it does it changes. You guys can see it online. It, it's a uh, bronze but the back is coated so it doesn't stain your arm, right? Yeah. Well, essentially, that
1: the back is stainless steel, so that's a stainless steel case back. It's PVD coated to look uh, like bronze, so the right. color of a bronze. Uh, but the reason for that is is uh, it would seize up if you had a bronze case back threaded into a bronze. It would seize case. up. It oh, would seize you wouldn't up.
0: be able to screw it on. You off. wouldn't be able to open it. Wow. It's the
1: same with your Pelagos, for instance. It's a stainless steel case back. Because ty- titanium threaded into titanium, it doesn't, like, it doesn't wow. like each other. So you have to This is a
0: primo fucking watch. That's good. It's now good. Uh, now other also I wanted to tell people uh, besides how uh, how great they look, the quality of these watches really feels like a six thousand dollar watch. Yeah. You know? And 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 why does your glow lasts so long and great like the new rolex glow they say the blue chronomatic mm-hmm. they say it lasts a long time but the man these watches they look like indigos yeah. almost yeah. man
1: <laughs> especially the Pelagos. oh Pelagos.
0: my god you come yeah. out of a mood or uh, uh you go into a movie theater yeah. and the thing is lit up and yep. the bezels lit up <laughs> yeah. everything about it
1: yeah you know don't leave it on your nightstand it'll keep you awake at night it's that's for great sure. it's right it's right yeah it's uh Proprietary information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. But, but,
0: boy, does it it's, wh- it's, it's so good, good man. Um, yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit about the new movement. Where is it made? Um, yeah. Is it made at the Rolex factory?
1: It's not. We have a... It's developed um, developed separately, designed separately. Uh, we started working on the development of, of uh, the in-house movement in 2010. Uh, we have our own manufacturing facility in Bien uh, outside uh, the Rolex manufacturer and uh, the movements are, are made by Tudor employees. Uh, Tudor employees. It's always key. That's, it's made yeah. by Tudor employees. Uh, we make, the one of the ways that, we, uh, that we're able to keep the cost down on, on our watches in general is, to give you an idea, Rolex makes everything, every single part in-house, right down to making their own, you know, we have our own gold foundry. Uh, everything is made in house. Your Every, own gold, yeah, yeah, and our own alloys, our own alloys of steel, etc. Now Tudor, we use a supplier-based manufacturing uh, system where we use 100% Swiss-made suppliers around Geneva. We know we believe uh, ardently in in the the Swiss watchmaking industry and yep. that, that heritage and history around it, and so we support it 100%. Every single thing we make is 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 made in Switzerland. That's and, sick. And so it's awesome. I mean, it's really great. But so, we what are we
0: talking buy. about? We're talking about um, like metals. Case. The yep. cases aren't made uh, at Rolex anymore? No. no. And so <laughs> that's, that's how we can create. I didn't a, know that. Yeah. So, the any, cases are no longer made yeah. at Rolex, they're made in Switzerland yeah. from somebody else.
1: Yeah. A few key parts that we, we make in house for sure. Um, you know, I, of course, the new movement we make in house entirely. But the cases, bracelets, straps, uh, deployment buckles, head wow. of movement is a purchased movement, right. hands, dials, everything's made uh, outside. Uh, all close to Geneva, so we yeah. can monitor it. Yeah. We're held to the same very strict quality control standards that, that Rolex is, is, has held to. All these parts, cases, bracelets, et cetera, they come back to our assembly facility in, in Geneva, Tudor assembly facility in Geneva, where we assemble everything. Uh, again, to the same exacting standards that that Rolex is is held to, uh, and and then the watches are tested in the same way. They're quality controlled and tested in the same way wow. that Rolexes are. So we can keep the price down by using um, um, uh, suppliers, um, but the in-house movement is, a, is it was a different animal for sure. We had to we knew that for us the uh, the strength of Tudor is the fact that. We are a uh, price category from two to five thousand dollars max. Yeah. You know, we're not that's that's where we live and our best seller is the Black Bay that starts at thirty one hundred bucks. That and thing's want, gotta
0: be flying out yeah, of there. We
1: it's best seller for sure. And we we wanna keep it that way. And yeah. so People always ask, well, how did you how did you come out with an in-house movement that only raised the price of the watch, 275
0: bucks?" Yeah, 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 that was it's, the big question on the forums.
1: So everybody's like, how did they do it? How did they do it? It's like, you know what, we did it because that was in our, our intent from the beginning. We designed the movement with the intention of how can we design this movement to give the best possible performance and functionality but keep the price down. And so when we, you start, again, with a blank sheet of paper... And develop an idea around with that goal in mind, then uh, then 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 you can achieve it. And and then also, uh, we didn't take it as an opportunity to kind of gouge people for for yeah. a, a big price tag. That's genius. You know? we, genius. We, we wanted to keep our price there. So a lot of brands develop the movement, and then after the fact, we're like, well, what's it worth for us? It's like, well, this is what it costs. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. What uh, And then, of course, I love the rivet bracelet, like the old school. Yeah. So you got the rivet bracelet on the black bay. Now, also, um, if you get in these black bays, people, and the Pelagos, they come with two, three different straps, too, which is incredible. So now you just came out with this red one uh, that comes with the black bay with the red bezel. And then you can get, like, aged leather ones or the rubber bands. Yeah. Now let's talk about the bl- the new black one. You got an all black, which is very it's very hot in the gray market where everyone was taking these Rolexes, like let's say Bamford the brand yeah. or, or or any of these side companies, yeah. and they make the Rolexes all black. Now, does this come off at all?
1: It will, yeah. It will. It will over time. It's a it's a PVD coating. Uh, the material is called titanium carbide. That's adhered. Um, to the stainless steel case by process called pvd uh so over time yes the corners etc you you can wear off and again it's like the bronze you know like the bronze piece is going to take on the personal characteristics of the person that's wearing it uh so is the pvd watch and anybody who buys uh the black bay dark which is the all black pvd uh, version or the bronze they know what they're getting in. They know it's going to change.
0: I'd like that's to see like. one of those old black ones in a couple of years. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be spotted and worn down and shit. Exactly. The corners, but, and, yeah. you know, things. Yeah, you yeah. Put your
1: hand in your pocket or your jacket or whatever it is. It's going to take on, uh, again, a bit of, life, uh, of a life of its own and, and uh, create that kind of future vintage vibe.
0: It's funny because that's what people do to their Rolexes now for the last couple of years, yeah. you know, and I'm always iffy on that because I think that voids your warranty right, right. away. Yeah, exactly. And then this one comes uh black. Now what's the warranty on these? Uh, are they three or five years?
1: Uh, two years. Two actually. years. So two years warranty uh, out of the box. And then when you send it, you know, it's like anything mechanical, you're going to have to have it serviced at some point. Is it every five
0: or 10 like Rolex now?
1: You know, it's, it's Five to seven years, three to five years, when you when you notice a change, I and mean, that's really what it boils down yeah, in to. The, when in you the holding it, time. Yeah, the functionality of the watch. Um, I personally adhere to the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, uh, me too. So I wear it until it's a considerable, um, considerable uh, change. Uh, the only time I've had to have one of my tutors um, repaired was when my 3-year-old hucked it across the room.
0: <laughs> oh man. Oh. <laughs> it's a
1: Heritage Chrono. It was yeah, it was a tutor Heritage Chrono and um she picked it up off the uh, the nightstand and gave it a wow. gave it a launch and so uh uh but it uh it, other than that I brought it in and I had it fixed no problem. But yeah, 2-year no, warranty, then when once you send it back in for that that first service. Yeah. Uh, and you you have your overhaul done, uh, you get a one year warranty after that as well.
0: There was a limited one of these Black Bay's made, right? Was there one uh, like for another company or something, or am I crazy? You might be crazy. Yeah. No, I, I no. thought they made like a, a, a Blackface one, like 50 of them or something. I don't know. I, I, I must no. be out of my mind. No. Yeah, because no, Nothing this, of them. They, Like, what's your favorite one in there, the Black Bay?
1: I mean, I'm wearing a Black Bay Black yeah, right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I really like the Black Bay. Um, it's so good. I have a Ranger. I mean, a Ranger is a cool watch. Simple yeah. three hands watch. Time uh, hours, minutes, seconds. Uh, thinner, uh, but still 41 millimeter. Super great watch. Uh, you know, I'm digging big time. This year we came out with the Advisor, yeah. which is a mechanical alarm watch. Oh wow! That hand wound. Uh, no, it's automatic, Automatic, uh, and but then it has a second mainspring for the mechanical alarm, uh, and we, we came out with that watch originally in 1957.
0: Wow, um, it has an alarm on
1: it? It has an alarm. Has wow! An alarm. I, I wish I had mine here to show you. Because That's it's crazy! Really cool. Yeah, it has a mechanical alarm. And what kind yeah. of sound on it? It kind of sounds like a, it's got a little bit of a chime, but it sounds kind of like an electric shaver. It's like a buzz. That right? is and cool it, as yeah, shit! It, it's really cool and you've got um, it's a titanium case but a polished titanium case so, oh, wow. it looks so super, it's different than the Pelagos yeah it looks super elegant and uh, it's on a crocodile strap and uh, uh, the one we came out with this year has a brown dial and a, and a brown strap and I've been I've been loving that thing too so the advisor is a great one it's still an ETA-based caliber, but the, the, the alarm module that we, that we affixed to the ETA-base is the in-house alarm module.
0: Which ones have the in-house movement now? The Black Bays and the Pelagos, that's it? So you've got Black Bay, Pelagos, and the North
1: Flag. North Flag was the first one we launched uh, the in-house movement the same year as the, as the Pelagos. So, um, but they all share the, all those movements. So all the Black Bays, uh, the Blue, the Red, uh, and the Black, the Black Bay Bronze, the Black Bay Dark all in-house movements right uh pelagos now in the blue and the black uh in-house movements and then the north flag they all have 70 hour power reserve they all, all have 70 70? 70 hour and all have silicone hairsprings uh, anti-magnetic wow uh, like the blue
0: hairspring, hairspring.
1: <laughs> yeah wow it's not the blue one but it's right, uh, right but it's synthetic and it's made out of silicone so it gives you some uh anti-magnetism
0: I know you. I know you're busy. I'll get out of your hair. Uh, I I can't thank you enough for having me down here. I've been uh, hunting you down for a while. <laughs> um, and you have a you have a great Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah tell them what it is because uh, you travel all over.
1: Yeah, I travel I travel all over, and I I, I, I like watches, but I like uh, all things kind of outdoors. And yeah, I, I like fashion. I like. I like lots of shit. So you, you going to go to
0: inspirations this weekend.
1: I'm not, I'm going to be, uh, I've been traveling for the last two weeks, so I'm going to stay home with the, the kiddos yeah, this weekend. Yeah. But yeah, my Instagram is at, uh, R S L K L Y.
0: Uh, it's funny when you email me it's r kelly yeah i'm always like oh (laughs) r R. kelly r kelly's emailing me (laughs) that's right (laughs) you like fashion are you a denim guy and shit i'm a huge denim guy yeah Yeah? you ever go to self edge over there yeah absolutely those are my boys man good guys yeah oh i love it he's a huge he's a huge watch guy the owner kia yeah
1: awesome yeah no I'm, i'm a big denim guy i'm a big you know i have to wear suits uh uh, to work every day but not, do you have
0: uh, to wear a suit
1: gotta wear a suit yeah Damn gotta it. wear a suit gotta wear a suit so uh but yeah fun stuff really fun stuff. yeah
0: and you live in new york
1: I lived in Manhattan for a long, long time, but now I live in uh, Westchester County. Oh,
0: I was just but, there. I did a yeah. casino
1: last night. Oh,
0: yeah. Empire City. Oh, cool. That's awesome. You ever been in that I've place? Never been. I've never oh. been. <laughs> sure.
1: Maybe it may this weekend. You never know.
0: Wow, but, it's so weird.
1: But yeah, I live outside the city, take the train every day, and uh, yeah. Here we are. I can't thank you enough, man. Hey, Dean, thanks a lot, man. And
0: then uh, check out their website. What is it? Tutor.com? Tu- TutorWatch.com. Wow. And uh, and go see these watches in the stores and, and get yourself one. I can't tell you how many emails I've gotten over the last year. Uh, what should I get? I tell them, get a tutor. You know, it's, it, it's the brand is hitting a home run, yeah. and it's great to have you on here, man. And I love what you guys are doing. Hey. Thanks
1: so much for all your support.
0: Thank you, man. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, guys. There you go. Another episode of Handmade Let There Be Talk.